Why do people become sexologists? What do sexologists do and what are they like? Welcome to the podcast from one sexologist to another with your host, Sikatak the sexologist from Iceland. Okay, so hi Martha, welcome to the show. Hello. Can you start by telling me a little bit about you, how you got into the field of sexology? Um, yeah, sure. I I um, decided that I wanted to help people in the area of their sexuality, and so I went and got my doctorate in human sexuality from the Institute of Advanced Study of Human Sexuality in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Did you live mm. there then? No, I was commuting back and forth uh, each time the term opened then I would fly there for classes and then fly back so I flew back and forth uh, five times and you live in Singapore right yes how is um, how is it being a sexologist in Singapore how many sexologists are there in your country well um, well, I've been doing this for seven years now and um, there is somebody who is a sex therapist mm-hmm and her background is a little bit different. And um, then um, there's somebody who also went to the same school, maybe a few years later. Okay. And uh, so um, I would say maybe there are like two of us who have the same doctorate in human sexuality. But uh, do you work together or? No. So there's no association no. of sexologists in Singapore or something like that? Well, considering that there's only a handful of people, uh, no. Okay, okay. Well, we here in Iceland are very small as well, but well, there are only like three of us, but we still put together a little um, club just to get to know one another and see what each other are working on, projects and stuff. Um, so what is your main focus of work? Um, I don't really have a focus, but say I have a practice and I see people with all kinds of sexuality concerns. Uh, However, the one that I seem to focus a lot on is vaginismus. Mm, So I I have a lot of clients with vaginismus. What do you think that is? Yes, so uh, vaginismus um, is when, you know, the vagina shuts down, making penetration difficult or impossible. Mm -hmm. I believe there's a lot of um, misconception around sex and uh, ignorance, lack of sex education. Mm -hmm. And so this contributes to uh, a lot of um, people not being comfortable with their bodies. Right. And And so do you think, um, so so you are mostly when you have these clients with vaginismus, do they come to you when they are married? Like how old are these women? Yes, they usually come... Uh, as a married couple and uh, they usually come about two or three years after being married and mm. wanting to have a child okay and um so most of the time they come as a couple and how is sex before marriage in your country and singapore there is sex before marriage it's just i have come across many of my clients who choose not to have sex before marriage uh, it could be religion, it could be cultural, it, could, it most of the time it sounds like it's just a personal choice. Mm, okay. 
So, but what is the culture of sex like? Because, like, I know here in Iceland, it's quite open. Well, you know, there is no one culture. Uh, just like New York is 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 um, made out of different people of different race, language, nationality, religion. Mm-hmm. There is no one culture. And um, as a born and bred Singaporean, I would say, um, for the most part, it's just lack of lack of um, any kind of uh, education and mm-hmm. uh, talking about it. So uh, I know there is there is some sex ed that is happening in schools now, but growing up, I think for the most part, a lot of people didn't get any sex education. Okay. And do you do you know? Have you done any lectures, or do you know what sex education looks like in the schools? Do you know what they're teaching? I, or? I don't. Uh, I don't do sex ed in schools. Mm-hmm. I, I, I know the government stance is more abstinence based. Okay. Because they came out and said it. They say our stance is more abstinence based, mm. which means, I guess, a lot of things are not really um, given the right kind of or proper kind of coverage right if that's your stance you know so in order to teach sex ed in schools they would have to submit their curriculum and pitch for it and they they as in the the vendors who want to provide sex ed and um we have focus on the family in Singapore and um, they are one of the providers. Mm. So it just goes to show that religion is in uh, public schools. Okay. Uh, so what else? Uh, yes, and also teachers uh, are also given the responsibility to teach sex ed in schools. So they are trained, they are given the curriculum by the ministry and they teach it. Okay. So, from my understanding is that um, from the ground that a lot of, um, not all teachers are comfortable teaching sex ed. Well, that's why I, I understand why you have a lot of clients with vaginismus, if that's the sexual education that they might be given in school. Well, when we talk about schools, we're talking about people in their teens. Mm-hmm. So my clients are not in their teens. My clients are in their 30s. So they didn't have any sex ed. I'm saying that there is some sex ed in schools now mm-hmm. as opposed to none, none uh, growing up. So my clients are the people who didn't have any sex ed. And the people in schools now are getting some form of sex ed, which I feel is um, better than before already. However, of course... Um, you know, different people will will be able to absorb different 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 leader messengers, and um, I would say it it is an improvement. But of course, there there is um, always that possibility that more can be done. Yeah, yeah. I'm just wondering if if the focus is like you say, maybe abstinence based, that that might be doing more harm than good. It's just what I'm wondering. Well, I feel that some sex education is better than no sex education. Okay. And uh, abstinence-based, more of an abstinence-based. You see, that's very gray, more of an abstinence-based. So I think it very much depends on the exact curriculum, which I cannot say because Mm -hmm. I have not seen the curriculum. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I, okay. I cannot say whether it's more harm because I haven't seen the curriculum. Right. I just the overall stance that they have. But how is um, like sexual matters and sexuality covered in the media? Um, is it talked about on talk shows? Is it written about in the papers and magazines? Like how how free well, we are people have, to talk about it? Yes, we do have um, mention of sex in magazines. Yes. However, as per most magazines, it's usually done, you know, to sell magazines. Mm. And so if you think uh, cosmopolitan, like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in the US, um, ours is like a milder version of it. Oh, okay. So, so there are, there are, um, there are kind of this kind of little like tips and tricks kind of articles and um, they also have the online version of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the media, of course, there's no sex ad. It's just, you know, if if there's a sex crime, it gets reported. Right. It's okay. not really sex ad. So you feel, do you feel that it's a bit conservative how they talk about sex in your country still? Uh, I, I think in general, yes, we are pretty conservative. Mm-hmm. Even though Singapore is... Uh, economically very prosperous country in mm-hmm. Asia. We are at the crossroads of a lot of cultures mm-hmm. and uh, we have a lot of, we are well known for our, you know, banking sector and our IT. Mm-hmm. However, when it comes to this topic of sex, that that feels like a double standard kind of. Everything is open except sex and mm-hmm. uh, that's okay. not what I'm saying as a local, that's what a lot of expats say and feel. Uh, And uh, when they talk about sex with their friends or colleagues, they they can see this discomfort due Mm. to the lack of, of, I guess, dialoguing in in the media and dialoguing uh, as a culture. Mm, okay I see and because also like you mentioned there are different cultures and different religions so people are probably trying to be considerate as well Mm. but how do you feel when clients come to you do they feel that it's taboo to see well they feel taboo yes it depends on who comes to me right Mm -hmm. some people are more open and some people are less open and uh, the only reason why they come to see me is because they have a problem that they they have been probably sitting on for years mm-hmm. and uh, decided to seek help. So definitely by default, people who see a sexologist generally have problems or worries or concerns or issues. And um, uh, therefore, I, I tend to meet a lot of people who are tend to be more conservative, yes, Mm-hmm. But I, I don't like to say that this is what Singaporeans are like because it's not true. Only a selective segment of people come to see me. Right, right. Of course, of course. I'm just wondering if they are, um, if this is something that they would tell their families or if this is something that would be very private. Well, it depends on the person, but for the most part, I would say yes. It's, it's quite private. It's a lot of uh, shame around it. Uh, I do have people coming to me and uh, coming alone and not wanting to come with their spouse or their spouse mm. refusing to come with them. Okay. And do you have you had success with um, uh, treating vaginismus? Have they been responding well to it? Yes. Okay. That yes, was- yes. I work with vaginismus. Yeah, well, that's good because, you know, the, it, might, it, it can be a difficult thing to treat. 
um, it depends on the person. I I don't find it's very difficult to treat because I know how to uh, I know how to support them in overcoming this very quickly, mm-hmm. being really positive and giving them education and answering all their questions. Uh, so, some of my clients they are able to overcome vaginismus even just with one session. Okay, wow. Uh, because you, because I really zoom into what exactly they need. Mm-hmm. I explain the concept of what they need, and uh, of course, some people need more support than others. Uh, but for the most part, a lot of people just didn't know what to do, so they just keep doing things in the same way, getting the same results. So they needed to understand, not just do something else different, but also why do that? Why do it differently? When they understand the why, it's much easier to overcome. Right, of course. Are there any particular sex acts that would be considered more taboo in Singapore than like others? Is there something that you cannot talk about, like uh, like we saw what happened with Teen Vogue in the USA when they were talking about anal sex, and that also happened when Harvard gave uh, there were se- there was sex ed in Harvard the other day, and there they had a class on anal sex and everything just went really crazy. Have you seen anything like like a certain kind of sex act that's more taboo? Well, you have to understand. Um why Singapore is so successful because we had a very strong government that basically took control of the media there was communism uh, mm-hmm. influences in Singapore and then they were stomped out and uh, our government has been very strict with media messages as well so in Singapore because we are very near to Malaysia and we have we have Muslims here mm-hmm. anal sex is considered uh, sodomy Is people use the word sodomy mm-hmm. and it's is kind of like really sinful against God and all that. So bearing in mind, not all not all Singaporeans are Muslims. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people in Singapore are Chinese. However, because of our multicultural society, um, for some reason, um, the media have this kind of informal embargo around anal sex. Oh. So you pick up any magazine, you go to, yeah, you pick up, unless it is a crime, anal sex will not be mentioned anywhere in any media. Um, so I worked with the media over the last seven years, so I know that this would never be mentioned. But I think people who pick up magazines, they don't realize that there are certain things that will never be mentioned. And because they are never mentioned, it becomes more taboo than it needs to be. Right. And do you have clients talking about that with you? Uh, I have lots of women who come to my workshops who ask about anal sex, mm-hmm. anal play, because they are not sure and uh, they have questions. Um, and depending on the person, they they may also ask me on uh, uh, during private session. Right. Okay. Is there are there a lot of like um, sex toy shops? Um, is prostitution visible? So what's the culture? Prostitution is legal in Singapore. It's legal in Singapore, okay. It's legal. And um, uh, lots of people coming in who are not licensed, um, who are not licensed prostitutes who do casual sex work. And because they are coming in on social visit pass, they're not supposed to work, they're not supposed to, um, you know, be selling their body. So that part becomes tricky. So anyway, prostitution is legal. And... uh, how was it regarded in your country? 
what? Uh, prostitution. Are, are the sex workers, are they supported by the government? Like, are they protected? They are not, they are not, uh, they are not protected, for sure. They, licensed prostitutes work in licensed brothels. So they do have to go for health check. And uh, if you're asking about, like, rights, like union rights, no, they don't. Mm, okay. Um, but then I'm, I was talking about those unlicensed prostitutes right. just come in and stand on the street and sell their bodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, those people actually do not have protection is it, in is terms it, of legal protection. Is it common for um, men to seek sex workers? Uh, I guess it depends on the person. I, I, I don't really have... But it, yeah, yeah. So it's not. It, but it's not something that you would regard just as, like, is it something that people would talk openly about? Is it something that people would do within okay. a ra- marriage or? No, they don't talk about it openly for sure. Okay, okay, okay. So, but how is the um, status of LGBTQI in your country? Well, anal sex is illegal. Among two men. Okay, so. You're like being gay. Is illegal, which means uh, homosexuality is illegal. Really? Okay, so two men cannot be holding hands on the street. They can hold hands on the street. Nobody say anything about not holding hands. Uh, I'm talking about anal sex is illegal. Right, but they wouldn't like the police wouldn't know about that unless they were with them in the bedroom, right? Yeah, if caught, if caught. Ah, but is anal sex also, it's illegal also if it were with a woman? No, anal sex between two men. Oh, okay, so, okay, it only refers to that. But do you, is it common to see two men holding hands or uh, two women? Um, is it common? It can be common in uh, some parts say, for instance, like Little India. Uh, Two men holding hands in Little India, both Indians, it does not mean that they are homosexuals. It means that they are great friends. Yeah, yeah, because that's the Indian culture. Culturally, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's what they do. Mm -hmm. So you see someone holding hands, you you should not assume that they are lesbian or gay. No, no, but I was wondering if there's like a... Is there a gay quarter or something like that? Is there somewhere that you can be openly and freely gay in Singapore? Um, well, there are bars that are, I guess, uh, known to be more open to people who are GLBT. Q. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, would you think that for an... For for a queer traveler, would it be safe to go to Singapore with their partner? Or do you think they would um, face yeah, prejudice? Yeah, sure. I think. Sorry. Do you think they would face prejudices or be safe? Well, I think they will be safe. Uh, I think they can just easily go online to look up like what other places they can hang out, like the bars or the pubs that are uh, gay friendly okay. um, you know if they 
if they face any kind of harassment or attacks, it's just like any uh, country in the world. It is illegal to hit people or hurt people. Mm-hmm. And uh, Singapore um, police is uh, very strict in terms of like safety or criminal acts. So those those uh, behavior will not be acceptable. But have you heard about in the media people being prosecuted for anal sex, for sodomy? Yes. Ah, okay. And they were caught maybe I just... It's illegal. Yeah, okay. And how were they caught? Like, were they in a club or was it a public place? I, I don't know how they were caught. I, I, don't, I have no idea how they were caught, but they were, they were, um, they were charged. Mm. So it's very ironic because the government did come out and say we are not going to enforce this law. Mm-hmm. But yet, why do you have a law that you're not going to enforce? Why not just remove it? Mm-hmm. So it does make uh, people who identify as um, gay definitely um, not feeling good and not feeling safe. Right. And how about the trans community? The what? The trans, transgender community. Okay, what about? Um, is, how is it for them? Is it easy to access healthcare? Do you have a lot of people that are like gender queer, not necessarily disclosing their gender openly, or you know, like they have also they have uh, in Thailand like Katoy and stuff like that. What is that like in your country? Well, there are transgender people in Singapore and uh, people who have gone for sex change, they have the same rights of the people who are of the gender that they have transitioned to. Mm -hmm. So a woman will be able to, you know, change their passport and everything and just Mm -hmm. identify as a woman. They may have problems with the housing because... Um, if they are um, in a lesbian relationship they can't really there are certain housing restrictions oh. and I'm talking about public housing they are okay. pu- for public housing um, but if they if they buy property there's no restrictions they can do whatever they like with their personal life okay so is it, is it just a form of policy those public re- restrictions yeah are- it's a policy thing that two women cannot live together as lovers, or? No, we're talking about owning property, so there are some restrictions around it. Oh, that's really interesting. But let's um, let's divert a little bit back to you before I let you go. Um, your new book, From Princess to Queen. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, what, and I see you've published three books. Yes. And um, is an author being, is it, is it like, cause to, to me, when especially when I read your book from Princess to Queen, you feel like quite the educator to me. Okay, thank you. So I think you would actually probably do well in, um, in uh, at least reading from the book and talking about it and, and giving maybe even lectures. I don't know if that's anything that you're interested in. But how has the book been received? Uh, great. Everybody who has read the book has given me um, good feedback. So I'm 
I'm very happy about it. Okay, and is it um, is it in bookstores in Singapore or? No, I'm not selling in bookstores because I couldn't find a distributor that I was happy to work with. Okay. Um, some distributor like there was one distributor. They say they don't distribute self-published books, so mm-hmm. that's more like a policy kind of a thing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then there was one distributor that said they wanted to distribute my books, but I knew that they were having some financial problems. Mm. So uh, I didn't. I uh, so to cut. I mean to keep it simple. No, I don't have. I, it's not in bookstores. It's available in Amazon. Yeah. Okay. That's great. I'll put the link down here below so our um, listeners can find it. But you have quite the accolades. And I mean, looking at your um, on your website, it's quite impressive working for men's health. And then you had the, um, the top 50 inspiring women under 40 and top 100 inspiring women. Yeah, thanks. And had, had, how do you feel? Has that been, um, have you been using that? Have you been working to empower women in any particular manner or...? Yes, I have been doing this for seven years. So mm-hmm. I have been working with private clients and also been running my own workshops for seven years. So yes, I empower women, but I also empower men. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's great. Um, do you, is there anything that you want to talk about in specific, like challenges that you've had in your, in your, in your work or some um, triumphs or something like that? Oh, well, you know, there are so many so many I mean it's it's not been easy for sure and um, but it has he has been very rewarding and um, I I love what I do I see how people grow in front of me and transform Mm -hmm. and and this is why I do what I do right okay are there any new projects on the horizon or just glad that the book finally came out yeah, so uh, this year I finished my master's in counseling, so that's my fourth degree, wow. and I uh, finished my book, released my book. So these are two big things that I I did this year, and uh, I'm looking to maybe slow things down a little bit and um, do a little bit of a regroup of uh, what else I can uh, produce. Uh, I'm thinking more like online programs mm-hmm. I, I have I have released five but I'm looking to maybe release more okay on any yeah. subject in particular that you have thought about uh, pr- probably well if if I had an online program it would be on female sexuality if um, if I did another book I think it would be on vaginismus mm-hmm. yeah I think that's probably really needed um, have you been um, going to any like conferences? Or, are there any particular ones that you might be interested in attending or, or following up on? Or um, no, I, I don't see myself traveling because it's it's really far from you know to anything that I want to attend. Um, but I do get invited to speak at lots of medical conferences. Okay. And uh, yeah, so next year I'm going to speak with uh, you know prostate cancer survivors in mm-hmm. Singapore and I've been invited to also speak at a I think ONG conference next year so things like that which you know is great because I get to 
educate people who help people mm-hmm. so that's very rewarding oh okay well that's cool um but are there any particular areas that you feel that sexology needs a little bit of a boost or a little bit more attention something that we're forgetting about yeah i i feel that um that as you probably know there's a lot of um uh, talk about sex addiction mm-hmm. and uh uh, there's a lot of misinformation about sex being very harmful and if you masturbate is wrong, it's bad. And uh, it's, it's, it's really important to uh, talk more about it. So, yeah, if, if I could um, do some kind of training in Singapore around that, that would be another project that I would do. <laughs> Okay, so it's dispelling those myths. Are are people often coming to you, or is there a, a lot of talk about the sex addiction? Well, is there a lot of talk? There's a lot of questions around sex addiction okay. and a lot of fear around being a sex addict. Right. Um, yes. So. And what's your stance on that? Around. Around sex, sex addiction. addiction. Well, you're a sexologist, so I think you know that sex addiction is not a disease or illness. Mm-hmm. Well, I've seen sexologists have many different ideas. I've been to conferences where this is highly debated. So I think we we definitely do not have a, a one uniform voice in this matter. So it's always interesting to hear how people are experiencing it right. from their clinical work and stuff like that. Okay, so, yes, yeah, so I'm with ASEC, American Association of Sexuality Educators, Sexuality Counselors, and uh, Therapists. And um, their stance is that there's no such thing as sex addiction. So you can just go and read up the their stance and why. Unlike uh, alcohol and drugs, which actually harms and hurts the body, sex does not. And... Um, uh, research has shown that there's actually no justification to call sex addiction sex addiction, and uh, sex doesn't hurt us. Sex actually makes us feel really good, and so sex addiction is not a thing. It's not uh, any. It's not real at all. Mm-hmm. However, there are people who have compulsive personalities, and com- people who have compulsive personalities will be compulsive of anything, including sex. So the issue is not sex that is the problem, it's their personality and the way they were born and um, needing to diagnose the people correctly. So if they have a mental disorder, then deal with the mental disorder, but don't blame sex and say sex is the disorder. Mm-hmm. So I think that's this confusion which, which uh, people have. Mm-hmm. So uh, very few people in the world would um, fall under that um, compulsive sexuality behavior because of their personality. Very few people would have that. Right. And so they yeah. needed to be treated uh, properly instead of uh, swinging around these terms sex addicts and uh, making people feel really, really uh, scared about um, sex and sexuality. I agree. I totally agree. I have to ask you one last thing before I let you go. Can you tell me sure. about the snuggle party, art of fellatio, orgasmic yoga and dating apps and porno panel? This sounds like something really really crazy at the Sydney really good sex festival I don't know what you're looking at Um, I'm looking at your schedule for 2017 yeah so I did I did uh, these workshops uh, in Sydney Mm -hmm. that's it 
And like, what, how was a workshop on snuggle party? Uh, it's like cuddle party. People mm -hmm. are fully clothed and uh, they engage in consensual touch, mm -hmm. including hugging or massage. So were you like the facilitator there or? Yeah, I was facilitating it. Okay. Yeah, I was facilitating it. How about the art of... How about the art of fellatio? Um, how do you demonstrate yeah, so that? I, yeah, so I, I ran the workshop and then uh, we did it on carrots. This was also in mm -hmm. Sydney. I also ran this workshop in Singapore. Ah, okay. And and do a lot of people attend? How many do you have in a class? Depends on how many people sign up. It can be uh, usually maybe five to eight. Okay. I have had 15 as well. Wow, Okay. Okay, and orgasmic yoga, is that popular in Singapore? Uh, I teach orgasmic yoga, but I don't run workshops on orgasmic yoga, not anymore. Um, so that is also the, the title of my second book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, have, I know one person here in Iceland that really wants to study it, but it is not being taught here, not that I know of. Okay, yeah, so a good place to start would be my book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And the porno panel, uh, what, what 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 did that look like? Oh, I, I don't, I, oh yeah, I think it was um, dating and porn. I think it was a, a discussion panel that I was part of uh, in uh, January this year. But did they, did you show any porn movies and then talk about them or? No, it was a discussion. Ah, okay. Or other people on the panel and then we we talked about attitudes towards um modern day dating i think it was online dating and um porn right i think very little on porn i don't even remember we we talked much about porn oh okay well it was just on here with the other ones i was wondering if you had maybe because um, i know i've seen those in conferences where they show some porn movies and then they talk about them it's like a viewing so i was wondering sure. if you great Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for being a guest on my show. And have a, a good, good luck with your work and your book. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of From One Sexologist to Another. If you want to be a guest on the show, you can contact me on my website, sigadag.com. That's S-I-G-G-A-D-O-G-G dot com. <laughs>